or controlling your platform, you can go in any way, in any direction. And that's what happened to us because we had this pivot in our business model. We had this moment when we had to take over the fulfillment. And this is where we won big. Welcome to Subscriptions Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders in the subscription space, share their best tips and stories, and learn how you can up-level your subscription business today. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Subscription Scaled. I'm your host, Nick Frederick. With me today is a special guest. We have Andre Rebrov, who is the CTO and co-founder of Scentbird. Andre, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So let's start at the beginning here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to become a founder of Scentbird. Absolutely. So I'll start with my university because people usually make fun of me in my current position. I'm originally graduated from Aerospace University. So people ask how rocket science uh, can now work in a subscription company and sell perfume online. And the truth is, I always loved mathematics and computer science, and that's what I do at Sandbird, because we have this uh, recommendation engine that helps people to find perfume that they're going to like, and it requires a lot of development to actually create a subscription platform to sell this perfume online. And after my graduation, I, I work for a number of companies, mostly big enterprises at first, such as UBS Investment Bank or Avis UK. I also work in a position of Agile Engineering Coach, so this is where I learned a lot of things, how to lead the team, how to organize the development process, but it prepared me well for a certain part of a very interesting adventure for myself. And it all kind of happened was by surprise because I was curious about hackathons, how to organize them, so I went to one of them. And two months later, one of the organizers sent me an email and he said, hey, Andre, we are looking for a CTO who can create the recommendation algorithm and lead the team of engineers. And we would love to sell perfume online. And I said, sure, why not? Sounds like a great, great idea. So that was in 2013 and eight years later, here I am. Wow. Eight years into it. So tell us a little bit about the journey. Has your role changed within the organization and what's kind of been the evolution of, of Scentbird over those eight years? Okay, so originally when we started Sandbird, uh, we had a very different idea in mind. It still was how we can make it easier to buy perfume online, because usually when people purchase uh, fragrances uh, in online stores, it is in most cases a replenishment. You know what you like, so we purchase it in a bigger volume and you just replenish what you have at home. We had a different idea. So instead of going to a retail store and get sprayed in your face, why don't you sit at home pick something that you're going to like, try it risk-free, and if you like it, you can keep it. So it was try before you buy idea, and we were inspired by what we parker a lot. So we tried this for a while, for almost a year, to be honest, and it didn't work out well. And we decided not to abandon the space of fragrances because we learned a lot of things, uh, what people do in regards to perfume purchases. And then it just uh, spread up. People were telling us, hey, I have this situation when I have three, four, five, ten bottles of perfume, half full, sitting on my desk, and they will never go out. But some of them already changed the smell, some of them I don't like anymore. I cannot throw them anyway, and I already feel good. So we come up with this concept of perfume graveyard, and then uh, we actually created Sandberg subscription. So 
for $15.95 a month, you get a monthly supply of your favorite perfume. And this is how it all started in 2014 already. And yes, since then, my role changed significantly. And, you know, people are saying that every six months, if you work in a startup, you work in a new company every six months. And it is true because initially for about two years, I was the only one developer there. Then we started to hire, so I became team lead. I became this team lead in terms of responsibilities. Then we, when we had more people already, I uh, was responsible for the overall process of delivery. And then company became bigger and bigger and bigger, and I shifted more into planning, budgeting, resource allocation and management, things like that. But I still do coding from time to time because this is my passion. Yeah. I've heard that from everybody who has ever been in engineering, that somewhere along the way, you know, they took on more and more responsibilities, but love to still kind of get back in there and get their feet wet, and, you know, kind of sharpen those skills and make sure you still got it. So that's a pretty common uh, thing that I hear. So how do you get consumers to understand quickly this new concept of consuming, you know, scents or perfumes in a way that, you know, to your point, you said it there, people go out, they buy the bottles, they sit on the shelf, they probably have them for years, some bottles they never completely use. But that's been the way that's been sold for, well, just about forever. So uh, how do you mm -hmm. communicate that to customers and get them to understand this new way of consuming it? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Because, you know, most likely heard this signature perfume, signature scent, and it's been in place for a while already. It says that at some point, you'll find your signature scent, and you'll have to live with it forever. And mm -hmm. that's the assumption that people have to have just one perfume. And this is not true, because when we started to learn things, we found this research that said, like, more than 50% of American women actually have from five to seven perfume at home. So that gave us an idea that consumers would love to try different scent. But here's the problem. When you go to the store, yes, you can get a sample, but it will only last you, I don't know, three, four, five sprays, maybe. Yes, you are able to spray perfume on your skin in a store, but that's not a real trial, if I may, because yeah. eventually all everything smells the same in the store. And in order to truly understand do you like it or not, you need to wear perfume for about two weeks because you learn how, what's the one gave it your perfume? Like, how does it work with your skin? Because it, like, it, this is all chemistry. And like the same perfume can smell very different on different people. So you need to give yourself some time to understand do you like this perfume or not. And then again, there is another problem with buying perfume if you open like you cannot return it in the store once you bought it you have to open it you have to try it but then it's almost impossible to return it to the store unlike clothes unlike some gadgets it's not possible this and perfume they cost a lot like on average designer perfume costs you from 100 to 150 and it just go up and right now on our platform we have perfume that cost five six hundred in the retail store and a lot of people would love to try them Again, another problem here, if you live in New York City, yes, pre-COVID time, you can easily go to any Sephora or any Nordstrom around there and get access to hundreds of different perfumes. If you live in suburban area or you might live in Midwest, it's not that easy to get access to that many different perfume names. So would you risk spending 100 or $200? Most likely not. So, and that was our initial proposition. For $15, we were giving you access to hundreds of different perfumes. And if you don't like it, that's not a big deal because it's, that's not that much money. And you can always give them to someone or give to a friend. 
And yep. that was the whole idea, that was the whole proposition. On top of that, we were different as a subscription company since day one. Instead of sending you something random, like most of the subscription boxes do, we implemented this Netflix queue. That's why a lot of our customers call us Netflix for perfume. You control mm -hmm. what you get months over months. So that gives you more comfort in choosing the perfume. Gotcha. Okay. So the more I use the product, the more I get different scents and can rate them. I can put a queue and then if I want to keep getting the same one every month, I can keep getting that or try it out with different things. Is that kind of how that works? Yes, that's right. How have you seen customers interact with that? I mean, do you have some that kind of set it and they're like, all right, these are the things that I want. Send me these every month. Or do you see more customers going, no, I want to try out a lot of different things? That's actually a good question because fast enough, we spotted this pattern. When people usually come to the platform, they start with something that is either expensive in retail or something that is advertised a lot. So for a good example, Creed, very popular perfume. You see a commercial about it everywhere. So once we added to the platform, almost immediately it became out of stock. People were really waiting for it. And we see this part of the, for the first two, three perfumes, maybe. People try something famous, something they heard of. But after that, they become adventurous and they're really open to try different scents even niche perfume that are unknown for the majority of U.S. consumers. So that was very interesting for us to observe. And that's the fun part. Like we have a lot of niche perfumes and the nature of them, people either love them and they give it five stars or it's so unpredictable for them, they give it one star. But yes, people, mm -hmm. eventually people get in this adventure of trying new scents. Interesting. That certainly makes sense. So on the supply chain side of that, are you seeing maybe some new up-and-comers or those with new fragrances coming to the market and wanting to go to you because they see that as a marketing channel? You know, you, you want to get the new ones out there, or, or I assume they want to get out there and could use something like this as kind of a channel for making that happen. Or is it kind of a level playing field for all of the fragrances? That's a really good question. We recently partnered with Jason Wu. And we launched Jason's full uh, cologne perfume, sorry, on our platform. And it was an immediate success because it was a designer perfume, well-known name. We were able to provide a good, it was probably different marketing tools for this brand. So people learn about very fast. The brand was able to obtain a lot of reviews. And that's what brands actually value in this partnership. Unlike traditional retail, we were able to get back with thousands and thousands of reviews. So it is very beneficial for the brand, either big one or small one, to launch perfume on our website because it usually takes 20 to 25 days from the moment when we charge customer, recurrent uh, customer, to the moment when we get the review. So in 25 days, you can get several thousand of review and understand what people like about your perfume or what do they say about your perfume and what they really about the perfume. And this is very important for the marketing department of the brand because they can later use the same wording in the commercials. Well, and, and true, kind of like in the store, you know, their fragrance is being compared right side by side with other ones, right? It's not like they're trying to just get them to go buy that one, maybe from a retailer, but it's actually being compared to others, right? So they're getting that kind of feedback against others in the market. That's right. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about like delivery of the product. You know, once somebody comes to the site, so this is something they want to, you know, give a try. 
Talk to us about how you know you've evolved the fulfillment of this, right? Because each comes in its own a canister that you guys make, right? You're not actually mm -hmm. giving them a, a bottle of, of the perfume off the shelf, uh, so to speak. So talk to us about how that product fulfillment mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. Actually, like the logistics and operation part is my next favorite thing of the business after the technology. So that's actually one of the most complicated part of the business because we do what is called a repackaging of the perfume. And when we started, we were a small startup. So the only way for us to obtain this perfumes was to go to the wholesaler, purchase traditional retail bottles, crack them open, and then refill into the smaller volume. And even when we started, we're not able to open the perfume bottle because perfume evaporates, again, chemistry. So we had to spray from big bottle to a smaller one, our eight milliliter bottle. Well, Eventually we had this really strong fingers <laughs> in our early days. Yeah, it's, it's still one of the warmest memory of our season, you know, small kitchen of our startup accelerator at night spraying these perfumes. But eventually we became bigger. And we started to work with 3PL providers and they were doing the repackaging and the fulfillment for us as well. And the fulfillment for us falls into two different buckets because we have new subscribers and we have recurring subscribers. So for new subscribers, in order to make the experience uh, amazing, we have to ship the product as fast as possible. So, and the package itself is slightly different. So the first package contains not only the small glass vial, but also an aluminum uh, atomizer, aluminum case, a card about our service, a card about the perfume itself. And then depending on the marketing offer, it could be a gift with purchase or uh, some other stuff. And we usually ship it as fast as possible. And the reality here is perfume is a flammable material and we only can ship it by ground. So it takes more time. We cannot ship it overnight like a meal kit. Unfortunately, that's the problem. So that's one experience for recurring subscribers. It's slightly different. Since we allow our customers to manage the queue and decide what they want to get next month, we understood that we need to come up with a better idea of batching these orders. So we said, okay, we're going to charge all our customers at the same day of the month. It's like, and we decided on the fifth of the month. And so we, we charge our customers. Next day, we understand all the orders that we need to ship based on who we're able to charge successfully. And we batch these orders based on their similarity. So initially when we started, we had only one subscription plan. It was one product a month, so it was easier. No extra offers, nothing. So that was kind of easy. Now we have multiple offers. Now we have different uh, plans, like two products a month and three products a month. And now this process is way more complicated. And this is actually where we benefited from our warehouse ex execution system, because based on the need of our operation system, we were able to create a platform that allows them to batch orders in specific algorithms so they can ship products very fast. And on day one, we are able to ship almost 100,000 of orders. And in total, we ship more than 300 orders under 10 business days. And this is the experience that we are trying to improve every day. And we even think about automation in the warehouse. But again, when yeah. we started, we working with 3PL providers. Uh, I think we worked with third parties for about well, three years, and then we had to take over the whole operation process because, again, the complexity of the process, the batching and this so-called multi-line orders always create a complexity for the 3PO provider you work with. 
Because again, mm -hmm. if you are a traditional subscription box, you have several hundred thousand subscribers, you have the same box. So the only thing you need, you prepackage right. these boxes and then you just put a shipping label on top of it. With these things, it's really hard for you to do any kind of kitting. So you have mm -hmm. to package them on the fly and that's a complex operation. And that's why we had to take over the fulfillment process in 2018. And now we do right. it all by ourselves. So lots of questions around that. The technology that you guys have that is taking those orders through the fulfillment process, did you build that? Did you buy that? Talked about that you're going through an evolution and keep trying to make it more efficient. Does that mean that was something that made more sense to have in-house so that you guys could have more control? Mm -hmm. Since day one, we were building a lot of things in-house. Uh, and this is uh, my engineering experience talking to me. If you mm -hmm. are controlling your platform, you can go in any way, in any direction. And that's what happened to us because we had this pivot in our business model. We had this moment when we had to take over the fulfillment. And this is where we won big with our own technology, with our own platform. And this is what we created really far because we had certain crises. Like we didn't switch to our own fulfillment uh, in an easy, simple way. We had a crisis with a triple provider and we had to do it fast. So in like almost overnight, we created a simple solution that was uh, able to process simple orders, like simple orders, no modifications. So we only mm -hmm. had to print like, and the idea was we need to print as many shipping labels as we can. So we like, I was controlling four printers. We were printing these orders, making sure that we are not printing duplicated labels. Then we can allocate them correctly to the orders. Lots of fun, lots of uh, interesting memory. And this is actually where the engineering part of our company starts, because from the front, the company looks very simple. Like you just sell perfume online and then you just ship these orders. But what happens, we charge our customers on the fifth and the next morning at 6 a.m. our operation starts. So the truth is we have a very short window of operation when we need to combine all the orders, process them, batch them, split them into groups give them uh, to the uh, ops team. So when they start at 6 a.m., they do their magic on their site. At 7 a.m., we already have to have a stack of shipping labels to start actual mm -hmm. shipping. So at the end of the day, when our carrier comes to our facility, we can already give them as many shipments as we can. And we look around for a while, and unfortunately, there are no tools like this. So the warehouse execution system, this is our own creation, this is our child, and we are proud of it because we don't see anything like this on the market. And mm -hmm. we also reviewed a lot of warehouse management system, a lot of ERP system. And this is where the reality of subscription business comes to the fight with pre-built functionality. Like there are a lot of powerful systems, uh, big ERP names, but when you need to adjust them for your needs, when you want to provide the best experience for the customer, you have to spend a lot of time, a lot of customization of these platforms. So it really becomes a question, does it even make sense to buy something like this? Or maybe you spend the same amount of money, but you build exactly what you need. And that's one of the questions that I solve several times a year. ERP system, build or buy. Subscription billing platform, again, build or buy, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that situation, you know, about when you kind of the things that go into making that decision around build or buy. Are there any different criteria when you're talking about ERP or you're talking about your billing system or other components, maybe the web platform that go into those decisions? 
Of course. So first of all, volume. Volume is a big part of uh, subscription reality because when you're traditional e-commerce, you have your transactions spread it out across the whole month. In subscription mm-hmm. business, unless you charge people on so-called anniversary date, for example, this is what Dollar Shave Co-op does. But again, they have so many customers that they can allow themselves or bill of material is a little bit different from ours. So we had to build customers on one day. So it creates a certain volume of transaction that should happen at a single day. And then we have to process them again very fast. So then it become a question. Okay, when we compare different billing platforms, who of them is efficient enough, fast enough, so they can process our our volume? Same question goes to the ERP system. And this is actually where we had a lot of issues last year when we started the current uh, implementation process. A lot of big names, they're not suited for the real time. Yes, and at the end of the month, your finance team can successfully close the months and present you the book. But if you want to achieve real time, then most likely you work with different WMS solution and then provide financial data, upload financial data into the ERP system. So that's what we learned last year. Again, another interesting fact of uh, subscription businesses, especially physical box. You cannot prorate physical box. It's either shipped or not. And this affects how you do upgrades, downgrades, and all the subscription plan customization. Because like, for example, my subscription, like you ship the box and then customer wants to upgrade. How do you calculate the upgrade? Do you consider the previous charge or not? And for example, customer mm-hmm. wants to like one prepaid plan and wants to upgrade to another prepaid plan, but he or she already was in this plan for months. How do you do this whole calculation? And this is where you again compare different billing platforms. And if they don't provide you a good enough solution, you still like this part, you take over and manage it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you just go through every piece, every step of your business flow and analyze it. Offerings discounts, uh, trials, charge recovery, integration with financial system, and so on and so forth. So once you're in this business for several years, you already know what you want these platforms to deliver to you. So like when you meet a salesperson, give them opportunity to sell you this. You already have a list of questions you want to ask. And if you hear no, 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 then at the end you understand like, hey, sorry guys, you might be a good business, but you cannot work with our platform with our business model. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've highlighted some really good things there that, you know, when you're in a startup, like just getting off the ground floor, maybe in the first couple of years, looking at a SaaS platform and really trying to mold your business into their, you know, ways of working is less of a big deal, right? Because you, you don't have anything as currently established. You can kind of, okay, this is the way they do it. We can make that work. But you're right, somewhere along the way, your business has differentiated, probably gotten more complex, especially over, you know, being around for eight years. Now you have a list of requirements. And I think it's critically important that you understand what those things are. And when you're looking at, you know, going out and getting a new platform or working with a new provider, being able to hand them this set of, all right, this is exactly what I need. Tell me how your solution is going to meet these needs for me. And if it doesn't check enough of those boxes, then that's probably, you know, not the right solution for you. Has that been an evolution for you guys? Have you you know, a, a lot of the examples you just gave, did you guys choose to do it in-house from the beginning or did you maybe start with something that was a starter solution, maybe a SaaS solution and then brought it in-house or has it gone both ways? Let me think about it. Uh, one example is billing platform. So we, mm-hmm. in our history, we tried four different billing solutions because like, again, our requirements changed. 
we face specific problem and the current provider wasn't able to solve it. So now we are on our fourth platform. And like this time, like we were really close to maybe this is the time when we need to build a thing because we know exactly mm-hmm. what we wanted to do. But then one of the existing partners that we really like uh, called Recurly, they have a couple of great features that we said, you know what? We don't know how to do it right. And we want this feature. One of them is mm-hmm. ability to recover customer using different payment processors. And when you're in subscription business, uh, involuntary churn is a big problem and you need to fight it. And this sounds like a great way to improve the monetary churn. So we said, you know what? We're going to work with Recurly. We're not going to build this thing. Plus, if you work with payment processor directly, you have to, most likely, you have to touch customer credit card data. You have to store it. And then you expose yourself to the PCI DSS compliance. You expose yourself to lots of hackers, security issues. And I don't want this. Like, I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night yeah, want that. Uh, by one of, yeah, by one of my developers uh, calling me say, hey, you know what? Our customer data is on like this hacker website. We were hacked. Like, I don't want to be in this situation. So, right. That was the reason, you know what, like we couldn't do this. A referral program, like we had, like we were using a referral program like that we built in-house, but now we are at the point when we want to work with a third-party solution because we want to give some tools to our marketing team so that they can play with it. They can do different A-B tests. They can play with the offering. They can play with the wording there. Same for the email marketing. When we started, we were using a simple platform, trying to remember the name, but it was working on top of the Amazon simple email service. Very cheap, yeah. very flexible, more or less uh, developer friendly. But for marketing on our side, it's already a problem because like, we have hundreds of different campaigns, different sequences, different A-B tests of focuses. So by working with the different provider, more sophisticated provider, more expensive provider, we can achieve more. So then it became the question, okay, like, what is our core competency? And what is the most important customer value that we can provide? And for us, we have several pillars. So one of them is fulfillment. We need to be able to fulfill orders as fast as we can. It's 100% accuracy. That's why we have our Mm -hmm. own platform. Second part, payments. We need to be able to process customer payments in the best way, don't double charge, nothing like this. Yes, we still work with the third party, but a lot of logic around, a lot of monitoring is ours customer support. We have an in-house customer support team that can serve our needs and deliver our brand values to the customer and react as fast as possible. So like these three pillars are critical for our business. That's why we keep this in-house and we're going to keep this in-house. The rest is an open discussion. Have you implemented or evaluated any hybrid solutions where maybe it's some part of the solution is provided by this provider, but you create the bolt on on top of it that just kind of creates an extension and gives more flexibility to that platform? Or do you tend to go more completely one way or the other, like completely take it in-house or use a third party? It depends. The pain platform is a great example. Like by working with the current billing platform, like they have a great API, so we can extend it in any way. And for example, one piece that we took in-house is the discount and offers block. Because we have a lot of sophisticated things like discount, the stretch over months, second month three specific trial, things like that. So we want to control this, and that's why we build it on our site. The actual billing management, no, we let them do this part because they do it better. 
dining. Again, we let them do it, but email for dining, we do it on our side because we, we can do it better. So in this case, it's a hybrid solution. In case of ERP system, the financial part is absolutely on the vendor side, but sure. warehouse management is on our side. So it highly depends on what we want and what the platform can offer us. So the ideal scenario, I guess, we would love the platform to be the best in class and offer as many features as they can, but if they cannot do, we would love them to have a really good API so we can integrate with them. Those were actually perfect examples. Thank you for highlighting that. I mean, when we set out to build our product, which is a billing system, we tried to build it in a way that was very modular, like not take everything and put it together into one big spaghetti code so that if a client came to us and said, hey, we've got a product catalog, it works great. We don't want to rip that out. We didn't have to come to them and say, oh, you have to use ours or we have to synchronize the two catalogs just to make our billing system work. We could actually say, all right, we're just going to plug these two things together and then everything downstream of that you know, still works the way it can out of the box without having to customize. So thank you for sharing that. That's a really good example. This is what we actually, sorry to interrupt you. And this is what we actually no, no, see no, in the theory right now. Like there is a concept of headless commerce. And there are several mm -hmm. companies on the market. I think Fabrico is one of them who are saying, hey guys, you have three blocks that works great for you. And you want to cover the rest with our platform? Sure, just come to us. You'll be able to plug in what works for you the best. And then you'll have the best e-commerce solution that works for you. So this is where industry is going. And I really like yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more on that point. <laughs> I guess turning a bit to more recent times when you hit on it a little bit, but talking about, you know, throughout COVID and people not going to retailers that the way that they did, was there anything in the past year that caused you guys to pivot your roadmap or maybe move up some things or add features that, that were further down because you saw everybody suddenly going online? I don't think that we change a lot of things on our side. Because like, we were never exposed to retail and like our delivery is curbside pickup because it's been delivered for you to do by the mailman. I uh, never interact with person with us. No, I don't think that we changed much uh, in our roadmap last year. But one insight that I can share with you is we were worrying that because of the crisis, because of uh, what is going on with the world in general, people will unsubscribe significantly from our service because at the end of the day, perfume is luxury. Mm -hmm. You don't need it mm -hmm. on a daily basis. But surprisingly, we saw the opposite of this. We saw the rise in purchases, the rise in new subscriptions. And what we learned later was for many people, perfume is really part of their day. It's a part of their daily routine. So they wake mm -hmm. up, they go to shower, and then they apply perfume. It's Mm -hmm. way for them to feel normal normal sure so yeah, yeah we were surprised to mm -hmm. see what's going on and i think we always had this in our roadmap and like we invest heavily in this thing uh this year it's the more sophisticated quiz that allows people to share more about what they want to get from our service what kind of perfume they want to get so we can recommend them something that is good for their needs and is tailored to their needs. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest outcome because the retail experience is not the same anymore. Like we have to maintain right. this uh, six feet distance. People wear masks in retail stores, so I can just walk in, spray it and see do we like it or not. So it changed. So we said, okay, we need somehow make our website more 
not friendly, but feels like you're talking to a supervisor who can give you some guidance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I say this all the time. I, I think it's one of the great things about subscription services, particularly focused ones like yourselves, is that you're giving a very curated experience to somebody who is looking for something pretty specific. Amazon can offer subscriptions right on different products. I mean, they can do that, but what they don't do is give that community and all of the background and all of the information that you know a focus provider can and, and have other users that can share information as well and you know ratings and that sort of thing. And it just, yeah, like I said, creates this community around a very specific product. Mm -hmm. Well, Andre, this has been fantastic information. I appreciate all of the insights that you've shared. Tell us uh, what the website is and how consumers can get more information. So our website is sandberg.com, S-C-E-N-T-B-I-R-D.com. And we learned that this is not a, that radio is not a great channel for us because it's really hard to memorize the website. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so it's sandberg.com and you can just uh, Google us by perfume subscription and we're going to be number one uh, result for that. And feel free to explore it. Feel free to go through the quiz and compare the result of the quiz uh, with what you actually wear today. And I hope mm -hmm. you like the recommendation. I hope you'll subscribe to us. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thanks so much again for the time today. We really appreciate all of the background and information that you've shared for, with all of our listeners. So thanks again, Andre. Thank you uh, and have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Subscription Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share this episode with your network.